You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, one of the hosts of this wonderful show. And joining me on the other line is a man who did not go to a strip club outside the Orlando bubble for dinner in quotation marks. I knew you were going to do that I've been saving it since That one was Friday. so <laughs> Lou Williams. I, okay, I'm excited to talk Pacers today because they played pretty well in two games and no one got hurt. But yeah, this Lou Will story, like, I thought he was going to get suspended for a while. Like, that's a pretty reckless move, given what the NBA is trying to do. If I actually but say yeah. your name, it's you're Tony East, by the way. I I, Tony East, yes. <laughs> you interrupted me before I could say your name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's such a it funny. is pretty wild. Um, his excuse was dinner, which is, was kind of hilarious. Um, but yeah, you got to think, like, did he not think, like, I'm, they were monitoring him or somewhat, or someone was going to snitch on him basically being there? Like. Yeah. Ten days is it's not really a suspension, but a ten day quarantine is basically a suspension. So well, right, he's, he's going to miss games with that. Right? He missed two games. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not suspended. He's probably still going to get paid for those games. I had to guess, but it's it's yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of games, the Pacers played in two. They're technically called scrimmage games or preseason games. I don't really know what the deal is, but they won both of them undefeated in the bubble. The Indiana Pacers two awesome fun scrimmages. Uh, I don't really know where to start, Adam. They uh, just looked like a solid ready to – okay, yes, I do. They looked like okay. – I mean, they came out slow in both games, but by the end of both fourth quarters, they just looked like a ready-to-play basketball team. And after four months off, that's about all you can ask for. Yeah, I mean, I think the way – the place to really start is the bench looked really solid oh, for both, both games. games. And we're not – we're talking without Sabonis, who they probably won't have some period of time. We'll talk, talk about that later. But um, – well. So it looks pretty good, right? It was just a, a solid bench unit twice. I mean, you could. What I think is interesting more. about the bench being good is it's an expanded bench, right? We heard about this kind of being a thing from reporting and the way McMillan was talking is about the minutes being a little different. Is like it was going to be a ten man rotation, but without Sabonis, I was kind of like, what? You know? Uh, and in the second game, Domas was the only guy out. Miles did play. I guess Goga, but Jakar is probably better than him at this point. So they went to 10 anyway. Sumner is still playing with that second unit, which is not something they typically did in the regular season. But that's why it's so interesting to me that it's clicking. Is, is it, Well, first of all, Sumner looks great with that group, especially in the Mavs game. But even in the first game, right, they had TJ Leaf in the second unit, Edmund Sumner. I mean, was it was great, really was different. not so great. <laughs> Leaf did fine on the glass. He definitely the, had, okay, on the glass. Definitely had his struggles other, other areas of the game. Yes, understood. Uh, yeah, his pick and roll defense is really bad. But again, I think you're absolutely right that it's noteworthy that even without Sabonis, the bench expanded still looks great. And that is what was what was so good for them during the season. Yeah, I think the first game, to be honest, is not really worth talking about a ton just because it's not. I think the second game is more indication of what's going to happen going forward, right? The, um, there right, well, the first the game there, so. The start of the first game was weird because, like, they started Alizé. And, and they immediately benched him after he played. And he didn't play. He didn't play after, like, the second quarter. He didn't play bad necessarily, but, yeah, he got ran off the court, right? Portland jumped out to this huge lead, and he didn't really do anything the rest no, of the game. I, also, I mean, Miles didn't play in that first game, so right. that also throws it off. I mean, there's in those 40 minutes, like, there isn't a lot about the first game except the fact they looked solid and Fine. everybody looked kind of in, well, the only, being the, in the form, the, I guess. The good, right, if you were to pull out the negative of the first game, you'd look right at the beginning of the game. But it was kind of weird because Portland went – First quarter, full starters. Second quarter, full bench. Third quarter, full starters, right? So the third quarter, the Pacers punched him in the mouth right away with Vic getting two threes and Brogdon hitting a bunch of shots. 
against the Portland starters, and that's when they swung the game back in their favor. So the positive take would be, look how good starters did. And they didn't have Alzin at that point. They had Jakar. And I forget who was the fourth guy or the fifth guy, actually. I think it was one of the Holiday Brothers. Either way, it was awesome for that stretch, right? And that was the positive takeaway. But they were terrible at the beginning. But, yeah, that game was weird without Miles. I agree with you that we should look – at the Mavs game. Well, and I think for the Mavs game, you can look at three quarters of the game and it's pretty much how the rotation will look. And overall, when Agreed. the box score comes out, like you look at it, the minutes played, it looks like what the minutes might A normal be. game, right? Yeah, like you wore in 28, Brian. A tiny bit more heavily for Miles, but other than that, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think at some point, they'll, they'll have to shrink and really put Although, a lot of we're going we're to get to this in the next segment. I understand that he's like six 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 seven, but Jakar Sampson is a center. Like that is his position. He is. He, he is what... <laughs> I'm surprised and probably will be eventually a, a rocket center, right? I mean, he's that perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Small I mean, ball. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Jakar. But, yeah, I think that – shoot a three, but that's beside – Do you right. want to start with the rotation, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think we should start with the starting lineup and then put Aaron Holiday in. It looked like it looked pretty Yeah, so without the bonus, McMillan said before the game they were going to – you know, well, first Miles was back, which was big because, like Adam said, this is the semblance of the team we will see, even without the bonus for however long – so that was good, and they and I thought they were going to probably start Jakar Turner because of just how McMillan is with his bench and playing fours, and instead they go Aaron Holiday, and they kind of start Vic at the three or Brogdon at the three. I don't know who you want to call the three. It doesn't matter effectively, right? They're just two guards on the wing, but yeah, yeah, uh, they had Aaron Holiday and then Brogdon Depot, TJ Warren at the four, which seems like it makes all the sense in the world, and Turner, and McMillan wanted to play those guys about 24 to 28 minutes. He said that's how much they played. And the bench came in intermittently between those groups, and it looked like the rotation, and it all fit pretty well, which is a good sign without Sabonis. Yeah, and I thought the speed of the team, the pace they could kind of play at was um, – I don't want to call it – it was sort of eye-opening, I guess. Maybe that's I would put it, right? I mean, just the the – we always kind of judged like they could go three three guard with the center. We always knew it was going to be Sabonis in a way, but um, – we, we need to jump on two caveats here, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, one that this, these are scrimmages, not yeah. Games. So does, not the highest level of energy, which contributes to two. This might have been the worst defensive game I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad defense. Don't get me wrong. It was a horrible defensive game. So there was a lot of good speed, spread the floor openings, but uh, but you are right that there was a lot of like drive and kick action that we see a lot with McConnell. I thought we thought like I, I felt like thought, I thought we saw that speed and attack more with the first unit than we have most of the time. We're also going to see a ton of bad defense in this whole like restart because they play together for four sure. months. I mean, I, I think what we saw today is more going to be more the norm for just the way teams play than we well, think. Not just for crappy on D in general. They're only yeah, going to be no, they have no, the but they're also. Earlier. There was something about a defense where the home crowd or what you know what I mean, like yeah. kind of pumps you, and I'm not right. sure you, you're not going to. I mean. You, you get it from the coaches, right, yelling to play defense, but you're going to get the same kind of energies. That's going to be affecting that in some way. And I, I do think, true. I do think in general, the what you saw from the Pacers is just that when you kind of um, don't have two centers, it, it the everything opens up in a much better way. You can run a lot more stuff. I mean, you saw Vicky making some really cross court. I would even the kind of behind. I forget if he threw behind pass to the Brogdon to hit a three thing late in the third quarter. I mean, you just saw just like the entire, you know inside out basically we, we've seen the bench everybody. be good because of that for so long <laughs> yeah and i'm I, i'm not it's saying i opening to see it with a different unit yeah and i think what it really does is for once it forces mcmillan into playing a style we've all wanted him to play forever or just especially play in general and force him to right i mean he has to pretty much play small ball i mean 
Turner is the small ball. Not center. even small ball. It's it's just not two centers. Because one yeah, center, no, I wouldn't even no, call but, it a small ball necessarily. Yeah, but he can't. But because of Goga, can't even play a center really in the bench. He used to really play small ball. I mean, Jakar yes. is a center, but like he's not a traditional center. He has to right, really right. play. An he can move. Lineup. He can really move. Right. And because they have no power forward, really, unless you wanted to play Jakar through right, but that's. Then he has no center on his bench. He has to play somebody small to fit in that four, right? So it's either, you know, yeah. either playing one of the holidays and starting a lineup to kind of, you know, somehow shift that around and move one at the four or somehow playing McDermott, but you don't want to break up McDermott and McConnell. So, like, it's all these different little factors that are basically forcing him to go small in the starters and small on the bench, which is going to be kind of crazy because it will mean they'll play a lot faster style because they'll have, I mean, between all the holidays, Sumner throwing Odipo looking pretty good today. Ooh. They're they're gonna move fast. I mean, they're gonna. Can I can I make a very very large statement? Yeah. Some of this is just because Depot hit half of his threes, but that was like the best Depot performance since 2018. No, that end of third, fourth quarter against Boston before the. Oh like, yeah, you're right. Was amazing. He put like 18 right. points up and and. Okay, that was one of Depot's best three performances since 2018. No, I mean <laughs> really good. I mean, we'll see. How good he was getting into the rim and whatnot. He did seem a little better, but also wasn't as contested. Caitlin Cooper got me on to thinking about this. Like, I would never notice this thing myself. She's just better at this. But the thing that she was yeah, – critical is the wrong word. But the thing that she noted that, that is different than him at his best is his stopping, right? And that's the case for a lot of knee yeah. and leg injuries. Is they can get going again, but they can't slow down. I think he had a couple pull-ups in this game or a couple, like, changes of speed in the paint to set up Brogdon passes that were the first time that he really controlled his speed and slowed down in a way. Yeah, that we I mean, on that steal and breakaway, I mean, he pretty much was able to, you know, I would like him to beat Jamari a little faster, but um, he made, he pretty much managed to put his body into Hardaway's stop and lay, and yep. lay it off the glass, which, which I thought was pretty nice to see. Um, but the thing with him, too, is so, like, you're dealing with, like, three different players almost, right? You're, there's the Vic before he got in shape, right? So there's the first, whatever, five years of his career where he was just completely out of – not out of Gross. shape. He was a bigger bad player. Bad player, bigger body, couldn't – didn't have the sleekness, the shooting ability, right? Then he gets in great shape. Is You add that with his incredible speed, but has got a really good shooting performance and looks, like, awesome. That, that's kind of his peak. He might not have the same speed, but he still has the body type and the shooting that can at least make him – elevate him above where he even was before – pre-injury right I mean he's even if he doesn't have quite the same speed as he had before injury he's still a better player than I think he was when the Pacers got him just the way he looks now because of his body type and the way he can kind of move better than the Thunder Depot you mean yeah better than the Thunder even Magic Depot really and and he's more of a and because of what he was he's more of a threat right he's still people still kind of feel oh he was that so they're still he garners respect because of those two good seasons exactly and and half whatever and then you throw the fact in that there's like a ton better shooters surrounding him. So then the defenses are playing it a lot differently too, right? That Before, is something you noticed a lot today is well, he, there was a lot of space. And I think that is a factor in him being able to go fast and slow down. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it, so like with the, with this group that they had, there was so much space. Well, and he's going to feel more really confident nice. the more he's getting one-on-ones and open, just move right. To the right. End. Right. And then, then the fact that he did not have to be the number one offensive guy every time he took what the third most shots in the team um, probably won't warrant right. it most most of the time, but we have a guy like Warren who pretty much every night is going to go eight of 15. Dude, we, we've known TJ Warren is the most consistent player ever, but even after four months off, like, right doesn't miss a beat. Nothing changed. Absolutely <laughs> it's nothing. crazy. Changed. Right back at it. It's crazy. That dude drops 20 points on whatever, 12, 12 to 15 shots just in his sleep. It is crazy. I would, I, I, you could have anything for the bench, too. I mean, you look at McConnell, McDermott, and Justin. Well, actually, Fred. can I do one more thing on the starters yeah. that was interesting? Well, first yeah. of all, Turner looked 
pretty good moving for his first game. Brogdon's looked fine, albeit his three isn't falling. But the thing that is crazy about this game statistically, they took 31 threes, a little bit more than they took during the regular season, still not that many. But 24 of those were the starting five, a crazy amount. Usually their bench is the group getting up to threes. So that spread group was able to find a lot of – now the way Dallas plays, the way Carlisle teams play defense is they really crash on the drivers, which is smart. It forces some bad passes and stuff like that. But, I mean, they got a lot of good looks with that starting five from deep. Yeah, and I mean – it's cool about the spread group. And, again, I wanna, I'm excited to watch the Spurs game because Pop – plays D a lot differently than Carlisle. So I think we'll learn a lot more about this smaller group too. But, yeah, that's something to look out for. Okay, we can go. I also had the trigger to shoot. I mean, Victor, a bunch of 28-foot threes. I felt like <laughs> he made Lowe. them, so it's fine. I made them, yeah. That's, that's why you're able to keep taking them. Um, no, I mean, I thought the bench, I mean, I, it basically looks like as long as you have um, McConnell, McDermott, Justin Holly out there, you can put anybody else around him and they'll figure it out. At first, In the first game against Portland, I had to stop for a second. Like, I bet these Portland guys hate him because he's just trying – really hard compared to them in a scrimmage. They're probably like, I got this run to like <laughs> giving all this effort. But yeah, this, this thing gave it to not look that way. The Mavs were really going at it. It was a full, I think the fact that it went from 40 minutes to 48 minutes made guys really click like, okay, this is game. But yeah, McConnell is just like six assists in 13 minutes. It's crazy. He's really driving these groups. And as long as he, like you said, I think as long as he has his wings who can shoot and even move a lot well off the ball on the flanks that the second unit's going to be good basically no matter who the other two guys are because in this game it was Jakar and, and Sumner and I just said very nice things about both of them a long time ago but they both fit in really well yeah and I do think it's interesting to see how Jakar doesn't be able to, I think because Jakar can guard centers I think to an adequate level um interesting to see how teams adjust the pace of the bench unit right I mean a lot of teams have more of a traditional center on, on their bench right they don't have this yeah. kind of speed guy I'm thinking about uh, like Philly, right? Philly probably somehow their bench there includes Horford or Embiid, right, on the court at all times. I'm yep. At some point, and that's I mean Horford isn't really just a center, but he is because of his age and he's slowing down and whatnot. And I to be able, they yeah. intentionally benched him because he's a center. And then so I wonder if they'll be able to start running, you know, use that bench to run yep. people off the court essentially. And if they can start and they can push pace a ton, and Jakar can get go to just kind of the second pass though, McDermott cutting all the time for open threes and Holiday, and that's just like a lethal combination. We'll talk Samson in the next segment when we talk to bonus because he'll be so interesting because he's pretty good at defending PNRs. His recovery skills are nice, but a lot of his offensive effectiveness is just going to be like, can he make the uh, Quinn Buckner said during the game, but like he got a ton of like free elbow shots or like 10 foot baseliners. Like if he can make half of those like this, great. He'll be fine because his defense is adequate, but if he can't make those, he's kind of just like at best average on both ends playing center. It's going to be very interesting to see how he fits, but when Miles' minutes get cranked up, he'll only play like 12 minutes. It's not a big yeah. deal. And I wonder if they find – I mean, who else could they play it? I mean, they might they might dig deep. We've got go one for, little bit of rotation stint before he got in at the end. I, yeah. I doubt they'll play him in a meaningful minute, but maybe. You know, I, I think we want to talk about Sabonis, so let's just let's take a quick break and let's do it. Today's Locked On Pacers podcast and our presenting sponsor is rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from your engine module controls to brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet, whether it's your classic daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. 
rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why have twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on. How did you hear about us? They know we sent you. Main selection, live below prices, all the parts you'll ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so the big news, obviously, is Sabonis out extended period of time. I'm going to assume he's not going to play in all the bubble games. They didn't officially announce that wow. yet, right? But, like, he left the bubble, so that means he's probably, what, it's an eight-day usually? No, it's shorter now because they changed the rules when Zion left. Oh, so what is it now? If he tests negative every day he's gone, it's only four days when he gets back. Okay, so that means if he's going to play. So he's in gone any- for a week, like. Sorry, I've been thinking about this a lot. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. If uh, if McMillan's assessment that they're going to reevaluate in whatever a week is accurate, so that would mean if he goes to L.A., gets self-tested every day or gets tested every day, they're all negative. In a week, he gets this treatment in L.A., and it's awesome, and he comes back a week from the day he left, which is supposedly either today or yesterday. Then he would miss, he would miss four days plus a week which would be about half of their seeding games in a best-case scenario. So I think that there is a pretty good chance he misses the rest of at least the regular season. But if he gets the treatment and it helps him, he'll probably be back for the playoffs. At that point, you have to really think, though, he hasn't played in a while. Is it worth it? So it'll be very interesting with the timing to see what happens. Yeah, have to be back by August 12th to play in the first playoff game. Have any shot. Yep. Like, he doesn't play in that first uh, one. It's the eight, in the first playoff game, the 18th. It was the 18th. I thought it was the 16th. No, the six, 15th and 16th are the seeding games. Oh, that's right. Well, what if there aren't those games? Then is it? Well, there'll be one. Of oh them. no, I think they scheduled that anyway. So I'm a man. There'll be one in the West. I mean, it'd be hard not have a, an eight nine. The West will West. definitely have it. Yeah. East probably not. We should probably win zero games. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess the first thing to go is I'm assuming what he wants is another opinion on because the plantar fasciitis thing is sort of like a lingering thing. You don't know if it's gonna go away kind of can last a while. So I'm guessing getting an opinion on whether he broke his foot or not. Well, I thought that at first too. And that's certainly possible still. Everything written and said about it has used the word treatment specifically. So that, mean he, that, that like the second guy is not going to give him an opinion that's different and then treat him for that or whatever. It's just they've all said treatment. And McMillan's very clear that it's plantar fasciitis. So maybe he's just got a guy he likes there. He like lives there in the summers and stuff. So yeah, that could be too. His trainer's out there. And he wants to just spend a yeah, week. Yeah, he wants to that. get the that treatment that he likes and then come back asap. I don't know, but you might be right. I thought that at first as well as maybe it's a second opinion if it's been lingering since he was in Indy. But I I don't know. Either way, he had to leave the bubble for something with. His yeah, and so what that does is it sort of has a um, spiraling effect um, because. Pretty much, we talked about it last. As long as Vic played, they wrote their nine, ten minutes pretty much set. Yep. Um, but with him out, it kind of throws everything in flux, especially with Goga. Most likely not going to play. What are you hearing about Goga? I guess. Uh, Goga has had a knee brace on in videos that they've seen. That's all we really know is he's hurt. But Nate said he, you know, they're evaluating him every day, and he might return like this week, next week. Yeah, same thing. Though that's, I mean, given how fast everything is going down there. Like he'll probably miss right some regular season time, right? And let's let's just get real now. Like you play your rookie during the season as your third string center, like it doesn't matter. But these games all matter a lot. And Jakar is flat, flat out just better than Goga now. So I are don't we even sure? know. Are you sure though? I mean, are you? I mean, I think so. I think Jakar is pretty good. 
But anywho, but we don't. I mean, we don't. Maybe in the regular season games, that's fine. Like it's fine. Just play Goga. But well, that's what I mean. Is I think you give him a shot, and what if he does? That's fine. Well, I mean, that's he fine. does have some sure. of the skills that could be beneficial with the bench, right? Just I think in the playoffs, though, you just go Jakar and say screw it. So he'd have to be back soonish because I mean, all their games are in two weeks. So they basically yeah. have three weeks for Sabonis and Goga to like get healthy if they want to play. So yeah, they. But anyway, how Goga relates? Yeah, that that does like the only thing that would happen if Sabonis came back is just Jakar loses his spot basically. Yeah, I mean, that's... Because everything, like you said, everything's set. Everything looks great, these two scrimmages. Yeah, and I mean, the question, I guess, the thing is, they play really well, and, you know, do they just tell us about not to come back because they're not sure and let them kind of rest and they just write, write it out? I don't know if they're going to play that well, man. I mean, the the Sabonis, McDermott, Justin Holiday, TJ McConnell group might be, like, their secret weapon in the playoffs, though. That group is nuts good. Yeah, but... What if the starting five is just because of the space went on? It's amazing. It might be possible. I mean, Aaron, if Aaron Holiday can get a tick better passing because he had a few moments in this Mavs game where yeah. I was like, ah, you got to give it up there. It, they'll be clicking. That group was looking good. Well, so and that's what I, I – I do wonder if there's – if he doesn't end up playing the rest of the season, if there's – and they play really well, if there's some sneaky thing where this ends up actually becoming the reason to trade Sabonis over Turner. Well, listen, that's, that, that's uh, the follow-up here is two things. We talked a lot about with Vic how – and you did the solo one of your solo shows on this. Him not playing is a timeline problem. Right, this pushes back or forward certain timelines. Sabonis not playing is kind of the same if he misses a lot of time because one something I've been harping on all year. They bet on the Sabonis Turner pairing, and part of evaluating their bet is seeing him in the playoffs. So if Sabonis doesn't play in the playoffs. How does that affect the timeline of those two? Right, if they're amazing with just Miles, then they can look and say, okay, our best units this season have been. Solo Turner minutes with the starters and solo Sabonis minutes with the bench. Clearly the one center thing is better than two. If he does come back and they suck in the playoffs or do awesome, whatever, they'll have their evaluation. But if not, I mean, they, they're kind of in flux again. Their, their timeline is back to a different spot where they have to decide, especially if the Turner and smaller groups do really well. So, yeah, it, it could ramp up even and change the dynamic of those conversations in a meaningful way. Now, if they do really poorly – it will definitely not be about trading Sabonis because he was fantastic for a lot of the season. Yeah, I think it might change. I think Sabonis is more trade value than Turner, and that's what makes it even more enticing. For sure. Right? I, I think Turner has – Still a lot. Not a lot, but not – not like – what's a lot, I guess? Give me what you think is a lot. Uh, a pick between like 5 and 15. Yeah. In this draft like sucks. They should not trade him for a pick because they're not trying to rebuild, but that about that value. Yeah, I mean – what I think with Sabonis is there's an option. There's a way a team getting rid of somebody. Cause that's really the only way is when you trade with guys, you don't trade them for a pick once you're rebuilding. You're not going to be rebuilding it in the next two years. You have too there's much three money. Three teams to trade with a pick that could be interesting, but yes. Yeah, yeah. You can use the pick to get something else, but you're not. Right. Yes. I understand what you mean. Um, I do think Sabonis is more sellable, I guess, in a way as like, Oh, he's our new number one option. If for a team that gets rid of a bunch of guys. Right. Sure. Right. Cause yep. he, an all-star, he's a guy who can, I think if you let Sabonis be the like the main guy, like you just gave him thirty five minutes, twenty shots, he'd probably average twenty points a game. I mean, you know what I mean? If he doesn't, yeah. have, if he's the number one option on a guy team. Now the question is, who's the point guard to get the ball enough? But like, I think if you just let him play, you know, back to the basket, you know, old school, he would put up twenty plus points a game, and it now I wouldn't win a ton of games, but you would put he put up a lot. Of, a lot of we nice are players. getting way ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> because but I, but he was really effing good this year, and his. Him being gone is bad because they will be worse. Because yeah, but I, I'm saying that that, that value is more, and then you add that with like 
a young guard and you can kind of like a team can sell it. So that there is more of that. But the other thing I think it's even more important is if the four unit lineup works with Warren at the four, that's established Warren as the four going forward and really opens up what you can do to make the team better. Cause you can go after a two or a three and that's where there's a lot of opportunity to trade for players right now. Yes. Yes. There, right, that's that what, could be there. If like things if, go well, things have to go yeah, well with Adam yes. for that to even be the case. Because the hardest thing the league do right now is find a good four. And that's the hardest thing. The four thing. that fits your roster, too. Yeah. Or, I mean, I would say finding like a three or four that does that, right? But I think it, if this goes well, it's one that shows Brodin can guard the three, which works just fine. Odipo can do the two, and then just can figure out another – basically put another two next to him almost in a way. Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, I have to see. Like, if their offense can't be good, then, you know, you have to consider stuff. And See, you know, do you, Turner can't, see I worry right. more about – I don't know. I mean, the only offense, well, I think the offense is going to be, I guess I'm more about the defense, more and more about the bench. I mean, I'm not even worried. I think the starters are actually be pretty decent. I'm just worried the bench is going to fall off at some point. That's, that's totally well, I, when I wrote, that's what I said too, because even in, when Turner was the solo center, no Goga, no Sabonis minutes this year, the offense was pretty good. 111.3 offensive rating. That's damn good. Defense was not, which is surprising because it's Turner. Um, but they were still a positive in those minutes. They can yeah. still say, Hey, when we have Miles and other guys out there, things will fit well enough that well it's good the team. The problem is, exactly, we saw good stuff from Samson in this game, but like I said, he has to make mid-range shots or defend really well against pick and rolls or huge guys, right? Like Boban owned him many times in this game. That is where the problem could be, is if they just can't get the right rebounds or can't stop centers on the second unit. Yeah, the, uh, the flip side of those could they just run him off the court both both right? Both yeah, and that so now like. When they play the Sixers, we know Miles is going to get owned by Embiid. That just, it, yeah. That's just how playing the Sixers goes. That, 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 those are the type of players that Miles just can't handle. And Sabonis has done a decent job with those guys. Well, now I, they won't have Sabonis for that game almost for sure. Actually, I wonder if there's a guaranteed. way. They probably can because the guys probably can't play enough minutes. Could they stagger Brogdon and Oladipo to make it work where they're one's in the court all the time? Like kind of I mean, like yeah, the way we do hard in Westbrook, right? That would probably. improve. Right, but it probably – they could figure that out by because it looks like Oladipo's going to play thirty minutes a game. He played twenty. If he plays, we still don't know that. Yeah, that's true. But if I think Sabonis are, being out, we we're getting there. Is the next follow up is are they good enough for Oladipo to decide to play? Right. I think he's got it. Right. He looks too good not to play. I and, understand that, but that's not his whole calculus. <laughs> no, but but here's also <laughs> what's saying. the point if they're going to do for him? What's the point if they have no chance of winning around? But here's also the point: he's not getting paid at this point if he doesn't play. Well, that's I, not determined yet, and I don't. Know well, yes, but but there, if for, by the rules, he looks healthy. Like I, I know, I, I understand. I understand why the league wants him to not get paid. If he, he has three. Play. I mean, to be honest, he honestly has three million reasons to to, to play. I mean, I, yes, I know. I know it might seem like, well, you shouldn't risk money for in, in injury, but he looks good. Like I'm not watching thinking, oh, the guy's gonna get hurt. I mean, if he can't go 100, percent can't go 100 percent all the time, but he can go 80 percent pretty well and take a lot of threes. And he has nights like this where he goes. Four hitting three is going to help which is win a lot of games or win, you yeah. know, could flip two or three games their way. I mean, that's in a clutch moment, too. I mean, he just, he looked, maybe he, they don't go super crazy because of his, you know, not trying to push him or not, but like, he just looks too good not to play. Is that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can, I can get him over that. Well, like, like, so if you didn't know he was hurt before, watched him play today, the last two games, would you have thought anything different? Like, I know. I'm like, oh, he's, that's Old Depot. You know, he had I mean, no, a little in the first game, but not in the second game. But yeah, I mean, he had a bad shooting in the first game, but like, that's not out of his ordinary of what we were used to seeing when he comes out. Yeah. Then if he goes 3 of 15 or whatever, you know, he didn't do that bad, but he was 3 of 10. But I worry a little bit about, like, they had the space to playmake with the starters, but I worry a lot about just general playmaking and rebounding 
we'll see though. I mean, if things if things go well, it's gonna make some. It's gonna make this podcast very interesting in the off season because we have a lot of interesting angles yeah. we can take. And I guess I mean maybe I'm bridge because the Mavs didn't right. Chris Upson played tonight either, so I mean. No Porzingis, correct. So, I mean he's he's the huge part of that team, but very good player. And it probably too much better. But it just to me the team felt like there was. It looked like it could win a playoff series, I guess, because the Mavs are as good as. Wow, them. that is a scrimmage game take that I did not expect. <laughs> yeah, but think about it. I mean, I'm assuming that was literally every- the like least effort on defense I've ever seen. Yeah, but I, I mean. Have you been watching any, any of the other games? I mean, this this is just it's just kind of garbage. Not just garbage, but it's just like yeah. I, very, I, I've watched a few. It's very. I watched. I, I'm a bull bull like hype man now. So it's a it's very like like prison basketball, and I think it's going to just continue almost throughout. The uh, yeah, they don't have a lot of time. I mean, I guess I don't the think there's, I don't there's going to be like this huge intensity. Maybe like when you get to like the second round of the playoffs, but I think you're not going to have this huge intensity on defense. First of all, these guys, I think are all very cognizant of how they're just basically there to get paid, and that's it. Yeah. And you know well, what? You know, Back to Sabonis. I think the takeaway from us going on a thousand tangents in a row is that there's a lot of trickle-down that could happen from this, whether it be the second unit or the team's offense just sucks or Turner looks amazing or team does really well. Like there's – or Vic doesn't play. Like there's something that's going to come from this. That we'll have to talk about, especially if he misses the entire rest of the season. You're so, still like, oh, going to happen. He'll come back by August 8th to play games or 10th. <laughs> yeah, Let's say 10th. They'll, they'll get play... half with him and half without him. That would be perfect. Well, no, they'll probably win them. three or four, right? They play Washington, Orlando, Phoenix. They should win the crap three. before it, yeah. Right. I mean, it may be Philly because Embiid doesn't play or Embiid. We talk about that next time. Yeah, Embiid yeah, hurt right now, but we'll see. Yeah, so we'll do that next and we'll do that real quick. But so, like, they, he comes back there, let's say three and two at the worst, and then. So they look good, not you know nothing special comes back, and then it just resettles, and they have a normal rotation for the last three games of the playoffs, and they whatever have real evaluation. So yeah, win for nothing. But uh, I think it's a good yeah. There's, good. There could be a lot that changes uh, because of this. I mean, I there could good. be like you just said, could be nothing, but they're like you know Vic could sit out, then they look really bad. Then I just don't. Get, I don't know how he's stuck. I don't think he's gonna be able to win his money case. I just don't. I am pretty. I'm leaning a little more towards he's playing, given that. He, he's responding well injury-wise to playing, and he's playing pretty well. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just. I think money. We'll find out this week, which is good. But yeah, um, so let's 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 go transition. Let's take one other break, and then we're gonna we're gonna preview the scrimmage game really shortly, and then obviously the first season return game. All right, Tony, let's just burn through it. The Pacers scrimmage against <laughs> the Spurs Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Is it on Pacers? I think. Pacers.com, Pacers app, NBA TV, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the same place it's been. Um, hopefully, did you were you able to get the game in the area this time? I know people have any issues last. On I never had any issues. Okay. Um, personally, I'm not. I'm not in the area, on. so I've been you know doing what I usually do. I just literally go to Pacers.com and watch the game. It has been the easiest thing ever. Okay. For me. It's a but little anyhow, weird, right? Right. It's a little get a little weird to watch. It's a little quiet, <laughs> but it's fine. I actually have not noticed anything that makes me like feel weird like unless i'm looking for it if that makes sense to me it's the announcers just had like fill up so much dead space but it's fine chris and quinn have done a fantastic job no no i mean i actually guys i watched the portland broadcast and i watched the mad broadcast and they was not knowing those guys but well, the first game of the bubble the clippers they did like radio style to try to fill all the space and at first i liked it because i was like oh cool there's always noise but then i was like man this guy doesn't breathe like he just, so was the radio son he just yeah I, I, knew I, went to, I went to school with him as a kid he was good know. he just flew through it was well, he also was, he's my age remember he's 23 so yeah he's right he's doing nba and he's doing during this and that's 
It's rough. But he's, he's good. He's good. all. No, but he's, 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 he's pretty good. He was the best player. Oh, of course guy he is. He's got the best player. mentor in the, on the planet, basically. Uh, he's a good, good genetics. <laughs> and he's, he was the best guy when I was at Syracuse for play-by-play. That's cool. So. I didn't know you knew him. Yeah, we were in classes a lot together. <laughs> well, anywho. The Spurs. We're going to be watching the Spurs in a scrimmage uh, on Tuesday. The Spurs do not have LaMarcus Aldridge. And, I mean, this is kind of bl- mind-blowing. When they played the, the Bucks in the 40-minute in the game, DeRozan took the least shots of any starter, right? The Spurs are just kind of leaning into their youth and playing a lot of guys and they're just there, not they're there that good of a team. Checks, they're they're not even, I don't think they made the playoffs, do you? No, no way. Because yeah. they have to get to – the problem with the, the West is that they don't, just have, they don't just have to get within four games of eight. They have, they have to, to get to them. nine. Because if they get within four games but they're in ten, it doesn't matter. They don't they make should, it. They should have done a play-in for that, like a – Eight, like you know what I mean? Nine, eight through eight through twelve playing or something where like one team is knocked off. So you do eight, nine, ten, eleven. That would be cool. They play and then single elimination ladder all the way up. So they the Spurs and the jeez, I just clicked on an ad on accident. Uh, the Spurs have lost both of their um, games. They lost to the Nets actually, and losing to the Bucks, whatever they're amazing, but they lost the Nets. So and they're not looking too high in the bubble. And again, they are starting Lonnie Walker, DeMar DeRozan, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, and Jakob Pertl. You counted there, that's four guards, right? They are small, small, small without LaMarcus. And they just they don't really have a lot of options. They're leaning – they signed Tyler Zeller because they need big men so bad. So, uh, we'll have to see how they can match up with the Pacers. But they – it's very un-Popovich-like how many wings and guards the Spurs team has. But none of them are so good and talented that you're like freaking out. But again, it's a scrimmage. So, it's basically just don't get it. All right, so we already spent too much time in this game. Do you think – one question, <laughs> uh, I, think gonna, I think the Pacers beat the Spurs and get us – That's not my question, though. Do you, do you think the Pacers play their starters the rotation or just do a kind of like last preseason game? Uh, given the, the way they've been ramping up, I think they're going to play close to their normal rotation in that game. Okay, because... so that's the thing to watch for, right, the rotation. Just see how that looks. Yeah, Miles will probably get up to the 28-minute mark in that game. Yeah, he's going to start playing 30 minutes a game close to it to have a shot. Yep, I agree. Um, okay, so let's move on to the, the, the actual – The Sixers, the important thing. The real game, so – after we'll be at four and a half months off, I think I did that right. Three and a half, four. And, I don't know whatever month we're in. The Pacers will finally resume the rest of the games, and they'll take on the 76ers in probably the most important game of their most whole important game of the rest of the season. Um, yeah, the Heat one could be for the five six. Ultimately, that could end up being those two Heat games. Yeah. But uh, this game will set the tone. They are tied with the Sixers in the standings. I believe they currently own the tiebreaker because they beat them twice. Um, so the wins are also Adam. The, the Sixers blew a nineteen point lead today. It's a scrimmage game. I'm not ready to play. <laughs> I know. Um, um, but yeah. if the Pacers win this game, they'll effectively have a two-game lead because they'll, cause they'll yep. own the tie. So they'll have to get, and they'll have seven games have left. To get two game fully lead. passed in the standing. That's a pretty hard. And I think if they win this first game, they almost, they get close to securing themselves a four-five matchup. I agree. Very close. Big I mean, game. If, if they really want four-five, it's a huge game. If they don't care, then it doesn't really matter. And I don't know if the Sixers care that much either. But anywho, well, it's kind I, of interesting. Interesting previewing this game because, look, a lot of the Sixers being awesome, especially against the Pacers, is that they are just a mismatch nightmare, and any Ben Simmons team is going to cause that. But the way that they have transitioned to now Shake Milton is they're starting a point guard, and they move Simmons to the four. Simmons plays point guard with the second unit, or like when Horford will play, whatever, same thing. But they're kind of more matchupable now, right? Simmons is still a hard guard for anybody, but. I mean, if you just go straight up, you've got Brogdon on Milton, Depot on Richardson, or sorry, you have Holiday, Aaron Holiday on Milton, uh, Depot on Richardson, Brogdon on Tobias Harris, TJ Warren on Ben Simmons, and then Embiid slash Horford, whoever. 
Miles is on that guy. Like, that's decent straight-up matchups outside of Miles, and you can get away with that in a way that you couldn't when you had someone tinier on Ben Simmons. So while I agree with the Sixers' assessment that uh, breaking up Al Horford and Joel Embiid is very important, and Shake Milton's a good player, uh, I think this actually helps the Patriots a tiny bit matchup-wise. Yeah, you, and I think the other thing is, do you think Embiid plays? Yeah, I forget why he missed their game today. I quote tweeted. I've got it up. It says calf injury. Calf injury. Yeah, and he's just a, not frail. I don't want to call him frail. But <laughs> they're anyway, cautious with him. They're cautious with him. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> they are going to do whatever they can to make sure Joel Embiid can play when the games matter. So, yeah, he might – I mean, I don't know how long he'll be out. And any Joel Embiid injury is going to blow up the news cycle and be something to monitor. He might – he'll probably play. It's, like, it's the game six days away. But he might not, and that's worth noting because they could definitely handle Horford in a way they can't handle um, Joel Embiid. But, yeah, the Sixers are – you know, the, the Pacers beat them twice this year, but they missed some – they had some guys missing time in those games. But the game that the teams were fully healthy in Philly, the first one, they were right in it till the very end. They've matched up better with Philly than they have in years past, right? T.J. Warren is really what they needed, a guy who can just get them a bucket to keep them in this game. So, I'm really looking forward to see how this game goes. Yeah, do you – do you think they Philadelphia cares about being the four five or think they'd rather be the six because they then have an easier? They really want to avoid Milwaukee and yes, like right. Adam Aronson said on the show, they actually could get a first round pick by letting the uh, the Thunder get into the the like their pick to be twenty through thirty because it's top twenty protected pick they get. So getting under the Thunder record is big for them too. Well, right, and the thing with Philly is if they lose the second round, it's a loss. It's a bad season. They get to the conference finals. It's a it's a great not, success yeah. yeah there's a way you can sell that versus if they lose in the first second round they're i mean it's, there's no difference right if they're in the four five right. and lose or losing one four that's still going to be considered a bad season because it's not going to be an improvement yeah brett year. brown wants to get the conference finals very badly as well yeah i mean that's how he's saving his job if not he's going to be basically there. right so the big guys in this in this matchup um beyond uh, the obvious like look the good players if they play good the pacers will be in or win the game but the Sixers bench is just bad, right? And that's been their problem for basically all the process era is they suck at getting good, low, like cheap contributors or, you know, their picks don't really pan out. Like Korkmaz, Norvell Pell, Thibault, Glenn Robinson, Alec Burks, Mike Scott. Like that, those are the guys who are probably going to be their second unit in some form and Horford if Embiid plays. But none of those guys are that good, you know? Like Burks and Glenn Robinson are like fine they really needed them in the trade they got them for and Thibault's a rookie he can kind of defend but like they're really limited on their second unit and that is where this Pacers team has had a lot of success against them this season is that their bench is so good so I think that given what we've seen in these scrimmages from both teams is still going to continue to be a big factor yeah I mean other factors Odiba hasn't played in a single game against the Sixers oh another good point and he looks last time he played against them I believe he smoked them twice so in the game where the the Pacers just destroyed the Sixers on New Year's Eve B didn't play I don't believe right and B did not uh yes correct and B did not play in a oh wait I I can't read uh yes and B did not play in the game Kyle Quinn and Al Horford started but that doesn't matter because the bench is what I'm talking about they kicked butt as usual uh, when Justin Holiday was on the court in that game, Adam, the Pacers outscored the Sixers by 21 points in the game. And he didn't even play, like, shoot that well. He only had 10 points. So that is where I think they can make up a lot of any, even the starter mismatches. They can really make up those points on the second unit. Now, without Sabonis, it could be a lot harder. But I think that is where they can do really well. And in the second game, same kind of deal. The second unit was the swing. So I think that's going to be 
um, my X Factor in this game, by the way. I mean, we only have one game this week, so I can use it there. But I think that, you know, as much as they could end up struggling with the size Philly has in the starting lineup and the versatility, they can make it up with the bench and stick in this game almost no matter what, even if Embiid does play, I think. You want to know my, my X Factor? It's, it's not uh, a Victor Oladipo? It's a Victor no, Oladipo. it's not a player. It's the fact this game is not a Philadelphia where we're supposed to be. We're 29-2. They played well in Philly, though. They really did. Yeah, the Phoenix were, I believe, 29-2 and two at home this year. I'm, I'm looking Unbelievably good, yeah. Right, something insane where it was like, you know, yeah, they were, yep, I was right, the 29-2. Is this a fake, like, I didn't think this actually mattered, but this is like a fake home game. You know how they have the Pacers or Mavs, like, screens? Because oh, maybe. maybe it's a pressure thing. We need to make, like, all the fans be booing every time Embiid misses. <laughs> they're not, are they pumping in crowd noise for these games or no? They, uh, they have the screens with the fans on them. Yeah, they're yelling. That's that, I don't know if that started yet, but they, they brought him into yeah, the I don't arena. Know if I couldn't remember if I heard it or not during the broadcast. I mean, it's... I don't listen for crowd noise. I don't care. I don't know why people care about this. No, but you can definitely hear like a little bit of a of a of a eerie, eerie silence in some of the stuff. But it's not. I like it. I mean, I don't know. I'm a fan. To me, I, the crowd noise is nice when it got to big shot because you can like see that people sit and it creates a little bit of an atmosphere. Yeah, this yeah, I guess. Like, screaming at each other but anyways that's my hitter is not in philadelphia because that's that's the biggest deal i mean philly was not good away from their home court so maybe orlando is not their home court so maybe they'll continue to be they if Embiid plays a big factor too is is miles fouling and general defense on him they lost when they lost in philly by three and they were right into the end turner fouled a bunch early right he only finished with three points didn't play that much didn't score that well, but he fouled five times. Embiid got 15 free throws up that game, and he made all of them, which was a big reason the Sixers were able to win. Right, Even getting that number down to 10, they win. So really, Turner doing his absolute best to even not, not even just get bullied, but keep hold his own on the pick and roll and not foul is going to be huge. They have no depth. They have no depth, none. The foul trouble, we're going to see a lot of Jakar, and then we'll probably see a lot of Leaf. You think we'll see Leaf? If there's foul trouble, we'll see a, a – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a disaster. Also. Be right. A lot of Jakar and a lot of Leaf. And Jakar can scrap all he wants. and he could, he That's his thing. But, yeah, he cannot guard Joel Embiid. He just uh, I'm assuming Embiid is, it would be your butcher, I guess. Or If he plays. If not, I mean, this is hard because they can really load up on Simmons and make him pass. Maybe Tobias Harris, right? Like, if Tobias Harris makes three, Simmons will have space to do stuff. And if Tobias Harris doesn't, he won't. Uh, no, you but, you think Horford anything left? I mean, he had a pretty good game on what they played today. I think Al Horford's got some stuff left, and it's just a terrible fit with Embiid. Like yeah, I mean, he wants to operate like elbows and in, and he just can't because they have a giant, amazing center inside. He's such that's such a cash grab. It was a great idea. Make the Celtics worse, get a little better. Didn't work. Um, no, it didn't. It was they. But I wonder if they try to use his money to trade for other money. Not a bad idea. Right. Really not a bad idea. Good to have the contract and use the money trade for other big money. I think Sim- I think Ben Simmons is really good, though. I mean, he's, he's so underrated on D. Uh, so, yeah, he's my butcher. Oh, yeah, play. and he'll make it hard. If they play small, I mean, he'll be, they have nobody matching with him. They'll, oh, yeah. They'll be throwing. Whoever he guards is having a tough game. Yeah, no matter yeah. what. I mean, they'll probably throw him on Brogdon because that choke holds the whole team. Yeah, he's he's – I mean, look, I get his limitations and why people don't think he's awesome, but I think Ben Simmons is awesome. So, if he plays – if Joel Embiid does not play Ben Simmons, my butcher. I mean, it's those two guys either way. But. Yeah, mine would be Simmons for sure. Um, yeah. Do you think they throw him on Warren actually? Because that might be the best. Uh, look, so the the hard guy for them is going to be um, is Shake Milton because and they they're using him as their point guard and he's been good for the Sixers. But they really value his offense. His defense is not awesome, so they have to figure out where to put him. And I'm guessing they'll put him on Aaron Holiday. Yeah, Aaron Holiday would be where I put him. 
Um, but that still is, is tough matchups elsewhere. Like, I bet they put Tobias Harris on TJ Warren. And so Simmons is guarding one of Depot Brogdon probably. Probably Depot. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be Depot as well. And then make, um, make Josh Richardson guard Brogdon. That's still pretty good. Aaron Holiday might be a big X factor. Yeah, there. I would say Aaron. I honestly think, too, I mean, Warren – probably still feast yeah he can get buckets on anybody i think you could, you could yeah i mean it's well the most consistent know. performer i think i've ever seen in my life the one guy i think i should probably shut simmons or Jan so they can shut you down. know what i was thinking about this really recently is like something i liked about Bojan in years past is he was pretty consistent right he really rarely had stinker games but he had some warren like makes Bojan look like the most erratic player of all time yeah i mean 20 and night, and then sometimes he goes 12 and 15. Dude is alarmingly consistent. It is I guess the other guy who shot him down was Butler, but they only played once, right? Yeah, Butler gets in his head. No one else gets in his head. Yeah. That's part of his why he's so good. It just doesn't matter who's guarding him. He's going to do well. Yeah, he kind of puts his head down and goes to the rim. Yeah. Night after night. Do you, do you think they win or lose this game? <sighs> it's really hard because, I mean, do the Sixers want to win? You know, it's, it's really hard uh, to, to, to think about this game. I think the Pacers have a pretty good shot. If Depot doesn't play, it's easily the Sixers to me. But if Depot does play, it's really hard for me to figure it out. I, I don't understand why Depot's not going to play. He literally played in every scrimmage game. He looks like he's healthy. He's not going to get. Yeah, picked. but before every and after every game, he and McMillan go out of their way to answer the question of like, look, these are not deciding factors for him. I just don't see how he doesn't play. I mean, he just he looks. The money it would look it would look worse for him than if he just didn't play at all. So I understand why he might not, but it's got to be the money. I mean, he, he that's that's. Gonna... I don't know. Anywho, if he does play, I think the Pacers have probably about fifty fifty, and I have to pick somebody, so I'll just pick them. But yeah, um, I it yeah, it's gonna be a great basketball game. I'm with you there, fifty fifty. If Phil Dippa doesn't play, I think he will. I think the I think the problem. And I will say this though, almost for sure, whoever wins this game is the five seed. No, I, the have a I just think it's going to shake that way given the way that there's only eight games, right? If you lose twice, if, if you're the Sixers and you lose this game, you but even if you go six and whatever, two. or five and two the rest of the way, you still probably don't get it. So, Pacers would have to go th- or three and four the rest of the way, yeah. Yeah, they'd have to go worse than that, right? No, three and four will get you. Oh, yeah. But that's still, yeah, it's hard with that short of game. So, I think whoever wins this game ends up in five, and it's. If Deepa plays, it's going to be tough. It's going to be close. We'll see. Yeah. But I'll pick the Pacers just for the sake of the exercise. I also feel like – That is not a meaningful pick. I think they'll win, too. I think the Sixers are the team that probably lays an egg in these eight games because they're the easy candidate, constantly up and down and erratic. Well, they looked awesome in their first scrimmage. Um, they played uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and looked fantastic. Now, the Grizzlies yeah, they also they look good when we can terrible the next week. I mean, they're, they're, they looked really good at the start of their game against the Thunder, and they got up to a 19-point lead, and then they blew it. And Andre yeah. Roberson, of all people, who hasn't played a basketball in a 1,000 years, Got on the court and hit two clutch threes, and the Thunder won. So you'll, you'll be shocked, Adam. A Chris Paul-led team uh, figured it out at the end and got the win. Did he, uh, did he snitch on anybody this time? Do I what? Did he snitch on anybody this time to win? I love that joke. I feel bad for him because I know he probably isn't doing it, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, no, but he did it on that. What was it? The player didn't have his shirt tucked in or whatever? Oh, the in-game snitching. I thought you meant he actually, like, snitched in the bubble. Oh, no, there was that, really? that would be a thing where the guy wasn't had his shirt tucked in and they ended up winning the game because he missed the free throw. I don't know. It was all about Snitching is, like, important. Like, they really need to finish out this season. But, yes, he was the one who got the technical foul to save his team by calling out someone for not tucking in their shirt. Oh, man. That um, is so funny. 
You got anything else? What else is there? My real meaningful games are back. I'm excited. I'm glad we made it through these four months. I would like to thank all of the uh, media members who were willing to come on this show and talk pages with us. I would like to thank ESPN for producing The Last Dance. We had something to talk about. I would like to thank the 2000 NBA Finals for being entirely on YouTube so we can watch those. And, yeah, I'm glad we found our way through the offseason to get to this point. But I'm really excited. Yes, it's good to have basketball back, and we're back. And I'd like to thank the NBA for having a great bubble that has yet to pop. Yeah, <laughs> pessimist. Knock on wood. I was not thinking this would work, but so far so good. It's worked so far. We'll see what happens. So maybe it's supposed to be the one that pops it when he gets a chesting positive. <laughs> that would be awful. Oh man. Um, yeah, we're going back to five days a week, obviously. So this week, this show is the Monday show. Uh, Spurs preview Tuesday, recap on Wednesday, Thursday. We'll do kind of a. a preseason i guess or like before the season kind of just thoughts me and turn it back in doing that one friday he will do a spurs preview and then hopefully after the first game on saturday we'll bring you a podcast quickly on that sunday as you guys can get it made by that afternoon um as always you can follow locked on pacers podcast at locked on pacers me at free madam five tony's at teased nba that's all for locked on pacers podcast we'll see you guys again